sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. I pray that your word will set us free. I pray that we will know the truth and accept the truth and receive the truth so that the truth will set us free. I ask for meekness to receive the engrafted word of God so that our souls may be saved. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for your grace and your anointing upon this vessel and these lips of clay. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You are all welcome. Amen. This morning is a joy to be here. Somebody said to me, I never knew the importance of women's ministry till I went to the mission field. And I said, but why do you wait? I mean, you, you may not know, but other people ahead are telling you it's important. So just flow. Why do you wait to learn by experience? Amen. This morning, I want to speak to you about types of women. Types of women. Many times we think that we are all women and we are all the same. It's true to some extent we are all women. We all have the same biological properties. And I mean, we are not men. That's it. But when the angel came to Mary, he said, Hello, favored one. Blessed are you amongst women. So you can be blessed amongst women. You can be different amongst women. You can be set apart amongst women. You will, you will be with women, but you will be a woman of a different sort. And so I want to look at some types of women that the Bible talks about. And then we'll move on from there. The first woman I want to talk about is the contentious woman. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13. See, the Bible talks about contentious woman. Brawling woman, foolish woman, strange woman, gracious woman, and virtuous woman. Silly women also. It's all part, types of women. So I think we will adopt the foolish woman. And under the foolish woman, we'll have the contentious, the clamorous, the brawling, and the silly, and the strange. Okay? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13. A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continuous dripping. The contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. We're going to read a lot of scripture, and I hope you don't mind. Proverbs 21 verse 9, it is better 
to dwell in the corner of a house top than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Amen. It is better to dwell in the corner of a house than with a contentious woman in a wide house. Verse 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. So we have 21.9 and 21.19. And then Proverbs 27, 15 and 16. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her, hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand, which bereath itself. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be contentious? Contentious means causing a lot of arguments and disagreements. And a brawl is a noisy quarrel of fight among people, especially in a public place. Okay? A noisy quarrel of fight among people, especially in a noisy place. And the Bible says the contentions of the wife it means the quarreling, the disagreement of a wife. The quarreling, the disagreement <laughs> of a wife are a continual dripping. It means that something is dripping from the ceiling. If he says it's on a rainy day, that, 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 when the rain has stopped, the drops on the trees, that, 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 it doesn't stop. Continue. And let me ask us as women, what is it that makes us talk so much? What is it that makes us hammer on a point for so long? It's because we are verbal and we think that the more we speak, the more understanding will come. And the more we speak, the clearer our point will be. And the more we speak, the more windows the person you are talking to will have. And sometimes and often, men don't respond in the same verbal way. So we say to ourselves, it means he doesn't understand. So let me go over what I was saying. And you start, you start all over again. You see, that's what you always do. 1958, you did it. 1960, I said, do you remember? You see, that's what I'm telling you. And we cannot believe that something that is important to us seems to be unimportant to the other fellow. But the reality is that our values are different. Our perspectives are different. You are standing here. You are seeing this table. Carol is sitting here. She's seeing this table. It's the same table, but different perspectives. And we feel that the way we feel is very natural. So how come you don't feel like that? Because he's a man. Totally different species. But we can't accept that. We say, but if it's him, then he will be angry and he will react. If it's him, he will be angry, he will react, but over the same issue, but different issues in the same issue. Do you understand it? Maybe a woman says, oh, I went to church and somebody mistreated me and looked at me some way. And then your husband will say that she didn't look at you in any way. This nice shepherd, hmm, serving the Lord, she loves the Lord. Everything I ask her to do, she does it. How can you say that now she's looking at you this way? So it's the same issue of the person. 
But he doesn't see what you are saying. And instead of you accepting that I have made my point, but I cannot drive my point till my home is broken, you never come to that point. So you keep rehearsing, reinventing, revisiting, and then the, the, the gap is growing wider and wider and wider. And then when the continual dripping is, hey, this one is a brawling wife. I better go and stay in the corner of the house. He may not leave physically, but he will leave emotionally. In himself, he has left, but he's still in the house. He still comes to church. He still seems to function, but things are not well. Amen. And that is what even brings separation. And the reason why the man desires to separate is a continual dripping. It is not that you are not right in your point. Most of the times you may be right. But you have said it. It's enough. You see, men are not thinking about what you said and your five points that are true and all that. But it's the attitude that follows it. You see, I met a man who married and then divorced and has married again. He was saying that, eh, my first wife, anything I said would become a quarrel. When we start chatting, in 30 minutes, the thing has become a beast. In 30 minutes, the thing has passed somewhere. But this new one, I'm able to chat with her for four hours. But I said, I said in my head, but she's new. There are no issues for now. She's new. There's nothing to refer to. That, oh, two years ago, you did that. There are no statistics in the relationship. So if you are uh, uh, talking to her for four hours, it's to be expected that it will be for four hours. Amen. And also, a wife is different from a girl or a female. Amen. A wife is very different from a girl or a female. You don't live with that girl or female. You meet in the office, whatever you have to do, you do, and then you move on. You are not closely involved in her finances. Let's buy a car. No, you are her boss. So you said, the office is buying a car. She will not argue with you. But a wife will say, no, we need school fees rather. So that girl, many issues have not come in. And that's the deception of the enemy. So you look and say, in the office, whatever I say, they obey. And she doesn't argue with me like that. Because she's not a wife. She's a girl. She's a woman. She's not a wife yet. And, and then she'll lose her job, her pay, her things. But her wife will say and be there. <laughs> for better, for worse, she's there. When you bath, you put your uh, wet towel on the bed. Your wife will say, every day I tell you, why have you put it here? But the secretary... If you put your wet hanky, she'll just lift it. She'll even say, boss, why? She'll just lift it because it's her job. She wants promotion, amen. She wants favor because it will affect her pay packets. That is why when you ask her for coffee, she brings it quickly. When her husband asks her, she says, the kettle is there. Have you not seen the kettle? Because a wife and a girl and a female are two different things. Hallelujah. And also the wife feels protective over the husband. So in that protection, the wife overspeaks. Be careful. Don't do this. Don't go here. In the end, you are not his wife. You are his mother. And the man was looking for a wife, not a mother. And the Bible didn't say when a man has found a mother, he has found a good thing. Mothers are good, but when he has found a wife, there's not the time to start mothering him. He is not your son. But we have that instinct to nurture. And so very soon you ask, you, even in uh, Ghana, they say, I'm a question of my firstborn. That's your, your husband. Okay, fine. But you cannot reprimand him and correct him and instruct him like a mother. You are only a wife. 
Hallelujah. We confuse the two. We add them to our children. And just like when you are talking to your children, you tell them, pick your shoes up. They don't do it. You go, you come, say it five times. You have put your husband in that same bracket. So you say it five times. I've told you, don't put shoes here. I've told you when you put the towel here. But can't you see that he can't change certain things? He was like that before he came to marry you. But you never saw it because it was uh, uh, beloved. You know? You didn't even know that he snored. I counseled a lady. She said that one of the main reasons she's leaving the marriage is because her husband snores. I tell you, the things I hear, sometimes I think it's the grace of God that I'm in one piece. I said to her, why? She said, because over here, it was in America. Over here, sister, mom, we do surgery for snoring. And I mean, when I sleep in the room, I can't sleep at all. You know? So, I said, ah, but you, you were staying with this man before you got married. Did you not hear the snoring? Even we who don't stay with the men, we won't hear that part. But you, you were staying with him before you became born again. Did you not hear the snoring? So, you know, those times, I love you, I love you. And the marriage is over now. No snoring in the house. I said, oh, if you like, you can just cuddle in the bed a bit. When the snoring becomes very intense, then you move. Maybe to the hall or... No, no, he doesn't want to do anything about it. I've booked an appointment with the doctor for him. I said, go and do the surgery. He said, Ghana, we don't tell her it's snoring. He said, you have stayed in America too long. And maybe that has totally disoriented you. The person should go. And then she also says that she has learned something about chemicals. and then, So she also doesn't use deodorant and any perfume. And the husband too says, get out of the bed. <laughs> she was telling me, no, it's a, it's a new therapy that has come. So that just your body fluids as uh, my friend. You don't want to change that. Which even does not involve surgery. And you want the man to go and change. And every day you are on him. I say, I'm not saying that you don't have an issue. I'm not saying that sometimes he's not mean. Apart from even the snoring. But I'm saying that the way you've made your house a war zone. You are soon going to lose your home. For a man, it's not whether it's right or wrong. It's whether there's peace to return to. That's the main thing. Whether there's peace to return to. Bishop was invited to come and speak to the MBA postgraduate student in British University about growth, corporate growth, analysis, and other things. With Lighthouse Chaplas, its context. So he gave a speech and all that, and they gave a time for question and answers. And there was one particular lady. She kept asking just, she said, I, I want to just ask family questions. So other people were asking about courses, but she, family questions. So, how does your wife team with your schedule and your different questions, family questions? An MBA university class, she, she came with family questions. And at a point she said, I want to ask another question. Please, Bishop, may I know why you chose to marry your wife? How did you decide? How did you make up your mind? How did you? And my husband said, because when I met her, I got to know her. To me, she was a very peaceful person. And I always need a peaceful place to go back to from the world. So I thought that this would be that peaceful place. 
So I married her so that every time I go out into the world, I'll have a peaceful place to return to. And I said, this is what we ladies have to learn. Because we think that we have to solve the issues. We have to have answers. It has to be now. But if you create that peaceful home, then the atmosphere will even be right for you to be listened to. But you create a home where the person doesn't feel like coming. I met a great man of God. Mekofia, I'm sure. Because there will be so many issues on the table to answer for. What am I going to say? You did this. You are like this. And you see, most men in the ministry, because of their anointing, are used to many women praising them. The Bible says that by reason of their anointing, the maidens love thee. So they are used to that. Then when they come home, only you, you have formed an opposition party. Your manifesto is opposition. And you oppose everything. And the reason why you oppose everything sometimes is because you are overprotective. You feel I have to shield him from this. I have to tell him the truth. Otherwise, this is But every day. You see, the Bible says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's not just truth, but grace. Grace. Mercy. Be merciful. Even as your heavenly father is merciful. And when you see your own shortcomings, you are likely to be merciful. But when you feel that, I don't have anything wrong. And usually, your partner's weaknesses are your strengths. And your weaknesses are his strengths. And so when he fails in that area, that is your strength. So you don't see how. How can somebody forget? If you are melancholic, you say, I mean, you just have to schedule. You have to keep to your time. You have to keep to rules. Things have to work in this way. I don't see why you are always forgetting. You know, when I was young, my mother, everything she told me, I said, I forgot. Why has the rice bent? I forgot. Hey, then they'll face me. Huh? Then my mother will tell me, when you learn your notes, do you forget? Your notes, how come you get good reports? That one, when you learn, you don't forget. Well, she face me. But usually, something that is your strength is somebody else's weakness. So you are scheduled, you are together, you fold all your things, you do what you say you will do, you keep to time, you don't change things abruptly. And so when the other person, every day, you never keep to your word. You never, it's not because a person is evil or has a bad heart, but because it is a weakness. And the Holy Spirit said to me that even in physical life, we live with weaknesses. Some of us have high blood pressure. Some people have diabetes. Some people have asthma. Some people have rheumatism. But you don't say that because of that, they must be thrown somewhere with the disabled. But you manage the disease and you still go on living. And so in marriage too, you manage the area of disease. And you continue to go on living. Amen. Sometimes a little medication here, a little rubbing here, a little of calling in the doctor sometimes, a little, but you don't say, oh, because this area is, is, is a problem. Let me just dump the person somewhere. You will never find a perfect person. Good people, yes. But perfect, no. You see, and some of you, you married the suits and the robes of your husband, but not the man in it. And you married the position and the title pastor, but it is carried by a man. And you are the first person to preside over his humanity in that sense. And because of that, you can easily take a lot of things for granted. And you can easily 
decide that you have to pour your heart out and speak anyhow. But that is not godly. And that makes you a contentious one. Every time you have an issue. And some of you, the issue has to be prosecuted to the last moment. You want to say, we need to talk. You know that most men, when you say we need to talk, they become confused. We need to talk. Usually when they sit down to talk to you, they rather lecture you. You shouldn't do this, but you want dialogue, isn't it? Oh, so I want to know what makes you behave like that. You see, once I asked my brother, so how do you feel about this business deal that you are going to do? Feel. I take decisions. But feel. I've not thought of feelings. And I hadn't thought, I mean, I really meant what I was saying. So, so this new business deal that has come, how do you feel you are going to feel? I don't feel. It's a business deal. I've made my proposals. They've accepted. I'm moving on. But what do you mean feel? I said, oh, do you feel good? Do you feel hopeful? Do you feel... <laughs> it's like, what am I saying? But if I tell another woman, she says, oh, yes. It's exciting, but sometimes a bit frightening. And, and sometimes I'm not sure. And uh, your feel world is not where they live. Hallelujah. And sometimes and often it's not because they are bad men, but they are not the feel, the extent of feeling is not like that. What I'm trying to say is that both of us will feel differently at different times. And the time of strength for one person, the time of weakness for the other. And the time of weakness for the other part is the time of strength for you. So don't look at what you find easy to do and think that it's easy for the rest of us. It's not. And it is that perspective that makes you not respect the views of the other person. When you are doing things, you do it very fast. Some of us, when you tell us, make a cup of tea, we are coming. We are coming. And we are warming up to the idea. You see, we are warming up. I mean, yes. And then as I say, even the tea is cold. Now, now even I don't know. And I'm so surprised. Ah, but why do you want fast? It will be okay. We will drink it. <laughs> But I've learned to also take part of his strength and make them mine. But that is why contention comes. Because we are different people. It's like opposites attract after that they attack. After marriage, they attack. You see? And then that brings the war zone. Pride is also something that brings the war zone. Why should I give in? Why should I cave in? Why should I let him think that he is right? Why should I let him off when I know that I am right? But listen, you can win the war and yet lose the battle of marriage. Because a battle is made up of different wars. But you may win a particular war, but the real battle you will lose. And that will make you lose your home. Many pastors' wives feel that because their husbands are Christians, they can never leave them. Once for this one, I know that I can stretch him. Uh, he can never go anywhere. He will go to the corner of the house. He will go to the wilderness. He may not even file for divorce, but he will go to the rooftop. And it will be, it will be divorce, but it's like, we haven't said anything and we haven't been to court, but in the same house, all is not well. Jesus says, he who does not gather with me scatters. Your husband is gathering the sheep you are scattering. He says, a brawling, a brawl is a big quarrel in public. 
So a brawling woman carries the contention further into public. And some people say it's in public because me, I can't pretend. What is at home, I have to say. And what is that? But the reality is that in public, even the world says, you don't wash your dirty linen. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Not a few. A multitude. That's what love does. So if you don't want to walk in love, don't marry. Because you have a lot of opportunity not to want to walk in love. But you have to because God's word says so. You don't have to because a person deserves it. You don't have to because a person is right and you are wrong. Not necessarily, but you have to because God's word says so. And when the person is sober, when the person is in love, and when the person feels very grateful for you, when you speak, he will listen. And it's not every time you have to speak with words. You have said it over and over and over again. Leave it to the Holy Ghost. Do the conviction. But that is where the struggle is. Because you feel that the thing is going overboard. I must rescue the perishing. And care for the dying. And the Holy Spirit told me sometimes it's also self-preservation. We want our security. Our peace. Our stillness. We don't want anything to ruffle it. So when he does something that ruffles your world, you fight it so that you can have that place of calm and peace. And, but it's the Lord who is your shepherd. You are not your own shepherd. And the Bible says that he that keepeth you will neither slumber. You who look after yourself, you slumber. And you sleep big time. Demons are standing around your bed. You don't see them. But he that keepeth thee, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. That's what the word of God says. A contentious woman. You sit there, you say that, eh, why are they always preaching with me? And even saying things that I will never have the opportunity to say my side of the story. Pride of life. You feel you are somebody. And you feel you are being put down. And so you must come up. And you feel you are being embarrassed. All that may be true. But the virtuous woman, the Bible says, let her works praise her. The things that you do, and the things that you do in the house of the Lord will shout more than these things. And if it's true, it will show. If it's not true, time will tell. Hallelujah. And you cannot answer everything and explain everything. And sometimes the point is made, it's left halfway. And you see that, ah, this thing, are you now going to work? You have a lot of sleepless nights. Though. And you lose weight. And the Bible says the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be still. But I'm preaching this because in many Christian homes, the men are living in corners of the houses. They are living in the wilderness. They are living in the roof. Not even a room or like the attic or but inside the roof. And it says that better is a house of herbs than a feast with herbs, oxen and all that. It shows you the price of peace. People will pay anything just to have peace of mind. Your husband is going to minister. Now's the time when you are manifesting fully. You know, years ago we listened to Derek Prince and we saw that whenever any husband was going to minister, that's when some, we used to call it PPQ, pre-preaching quarrel, were coming to the house. And Derek Prince said that my wife has learned to stay out of my path when I'm going to preach. 
Honestly, I don't think it's so much the wives getting in under the husband's feet. But the husband's being so much on edge that anything you do, they will face you. So you just stay in your corner. When they are in their prayer room, I don't go there. I'm not going to open the door. When I open the door, the face that will greet you will show you that you are not welcome. You know? So I just do my things. I learn to stay out of that path. And then the person is very serious. And especially if it's another church and I'm going, are you not ready? Are you not coming? Go, please. It's a convention. Go. I'll come. Peace. So you go so that you have the peace and everything to minister. God has blessed me with a car. I'll come. It would have been nice to walk with you inside church. We are going back. No. In the name of niceness. Go. Peace. Peace the empire. So when you go, and I'm now gathering my children, calling them, hey, come here. Ah, mommy, I can't find my tie. I can't find my... It's not easy. But knowing that that thing happens lets you stay out of it. Because you know that whenever your husband is going to minister, that thing will come in. Or friction, something. You learn to stay out of it. And then, with time, it even becomes normal. And you just flow. And you are not a hindrance to the anointing. Amen. But what surprised me is that when I became a pastor, and when I'm preparing, no such thing is done for me. And I've come to accept it that. A woman's lot. Even the children, when their father is praying, they don't go around like that. But when you are praying, every few minutes, go, go, go. She hit me. She took my bicycle. Look, if you come here again, if you come here again, it will not be easy for you, but they will come again. All of them don't respect God's call on your life. All of them. As a wife and a mother, forever a wife and a mother. And when you are even rushing to the car to go and preach, they are now asking you, Mommy, so today, how will I go to Mr. Pepra? How will I? I've learned to factor all that in. So there are two sides of the coin. When the man is going to be said, and you also, when you are going to be said, you have to stop yourself from being angry at all these things, including the children and house help. They all add themselves. You are hearing God, but sometimes you can't hear. And then I remember, His grace is sufficient. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. It's okay. Then I'll glory in this infirmity so that the power also of God may rest upon me. Hallelujah. These are all points of contention and points of, you left me. Why did you go to the church before me? Because incense is being burnt. The service has begun. And you too, you have issues. Your three issues are following you. Before the house up, also get ready. You want your husband to join all this. Sometimes it's not fair. But we learned early in our marriage. When we had one car, my husband used to go by trotter and taxi, and then I would come. The children and my load and my baby bag and my milk that I've mixed and my, my, my issues. So that the work of God will go on. But many wives don't like to be left. They would rather that the church waits for them. Yeah, you are going to the church and you are leaving me. It's not that he's putting you behind the church. But the fact is that important things have to be done. And you can come. You are an adult. So you sit behind and you see somebody's mind. You say, oh, I'd like my mind to be there. You see, the way you flip, you 
know the sacrifice a person has made so that the man can go on with his ministry and flourish in that ministry. It's no mean sacrifice. But God always rewards you for it. Hallelujah. And these are all things that make us contentious. Content. We are fighting for attention and love. And the two mistresses are you and the church. One pastor preached in Korea. He said, one day he came home and the wife said to him, go back to your mistress. Oh, which mistress do I have? He said, Jubilee Christian Center. That is your mistress. Go there. And he said, I got angry, slammed the door, and I got into my car, and God said, she's right. What she's saying is true. I said, but God, how do I go back and tell her you are right? And he said, I didn't go and tell her she was right, but I just started to be nice and to flow and to see men. They won't give a speech, but it's like, oh, things have changed, so flow. And those of you who are UN diplomats, you say every day that's what he does. We have to sit down, and then we have to talk, and we have to see, and we have to forestall the future. Forestall things happening in the future. You are too much of a prosecutor, and you want to prosecute every issue. What is important to you? The relationship or being right? Which of them? You have such a drive to be right. But let's face it, is a relationship and your home more important to you than being right? If being right is more important to you, you will destroy your home in no time. When he preaches, then you squeeze your face. When people are clapping, you say, I'm, I'm not deceived. I know what happened at home today. I am not deceived. When your husband steps into the pulpit, he's another man. He's a man of God. He's standing there as a minister, not as your husband. And if you don't renew your mind like that, you cannot receive from him. And everybody in the church will be blessed, but you will not be blessed. Because when you listen to his tape, you're angry. When you read his books, you can't stand it. So everything that has been provided for you, you never make use of it. And in the end, you lose out, not him. You think you are teaching him a lesson, but really, it's you who misses out. We are like Michals sometimes. You see, David went to take the ark. And he danced so much in the presence of the Lord about the ark and about the ark. And Mikhail said that to us, we were dancing like that. Is that how a king should dance? Is that how a king should dance? Exposing yourself to the maidens and the maidens all dancing around you. Why don't you join the maidens to dance? It's like me to have come. Hey, it's a miracle. We are all happy with the ark. But you are at home. That's why you are a chief critic, because you are not involved. You have taken yourself and made yourself an outsider. And so when something is happening in the church of God, you are an outsider. When you are standing outside, you will have opportunity to criticize. But when you are a part of it, your criticism will be less. Amen. Your criticism will by all means be less. This is something I've preached on. Too close for coming. And when David finished, he shared food to the people and all that. The Bible says he returned to his own household to bless them. But by the time he came to bless you, your criticism had mounted so much, you were not able to receive it. So the Bible says that she met him. She met him. She didn't allow him to come and she met him. Say, hey, the king of Israel, today you have really gone to display. You know, but sometimes see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is the act coming 
to Israel. The presence of the Lord coming back is the bigger picture. And then the maidens dancing is the smaller picture. And choose to believe in the bigger picture. It will take away contention. It will take away strife. It will take away unnecessary things. And then so much so that your husband has to curse you. I mean, I, with my human mind, don't think that David should have gone so far. Because as you curse her, you also curse yourself. He said she won't have a child. You too, you will not have a child with her. And she was your wife at the time. You see, but criticism swallows you up, makes you sour, and stops you from being fruitful in ministry. Because one, you are an outsider. Two, you, the devil looks for work for idle hands. Now you become a critic, and then you cannot bring forth anything. Everything is negative to you. And before we know, you have left the church. The issues in the church are real. The pain in the church is real. But you can't make a fetish out of it. You will be hurting your own self, destroying your own ministry, and destroying your own heart. And that is not something that must happen to you. And all these things I'm talking about are life things I've seen happen. One person's why she was so bitter. She said that since my husband passed away, the way the church has treated me, they've sidelined me. I'm not told anything about what is happening in the church. Whatever. So she also stood and fought the church. And, and sacked them from her premises. Because she was also hit. And eventually, she marries an unbeliever. Because you feel that anybody in the church doesn't love you. Nobody in the church is genuine. Nobody in the church is real. So you go into the wrong arms. And before you know, you are the wife of a great preacher. And I'm married to a not average unbeliever. Deep unbeliever. And I've seen them many times at public places. So you are flowing. Mind to an unbeliever, totally. It is said that one man of God who died in an accident, his wife got married to the driver. How did that happen? That the house she was staying in, the church came those days and said that, well, your husband's the one who was working for the church. You were not, so Vamus, you and your children. So the driver said, Oh, madam, I have a small one room. You can come there. And that was the only place she could go to. So then I now declare that thou become. Man and wife. That's what has happened. So sometimes you can look at all that and say, oh, I have to ensure myself for the future. I have to see, I've seen all these stories. So I also have to take some precautions. Hey, how much looking after yourself can you do? You have to be wise, yes. But the Lord is your keeper. But all these things bring quarrels that, look, you're married to a pastor now, you've heard these stories. So quarrels that your husband hasn't done anything, but you have gone to import precedents and you've brought them in and you are fighting with the precedents. That's what he said. One man of God who left you, I said that my wife could display anywhere, especially in public. She wants the disgrace to sink. So the people who respect the man and all that, they've gone for camp meeting. That's when she'll come and manifest fully. Fully. She'll manifest. Then they'll be holding her. Oh, so for mommy. And yet, and yet. She'll But the man said, even in the car, when we are going for a convention or whatever, she will insult me in front of the driver till we get to the church. When we get to the church, I have to compose myself and go in. And who can I tell? Can I come and stand in the pulpit and say, my wife, this, that, that? I can't. I'm not saying she didn't have her issues. Maybe she was so overwhelmed. But the spirit of self-control. The reason why we are contentious and brawling and odious and all these things, we don't have the fruit of a spirit, which is self-control. You are angry, but control yourself. You are hurt, but control yourself. 
The pain is beyond whatever. But control yourself. Don't let yourself control you. Control yourself. Amen. And seek help when necessary. But don't just say, hey, arise and shine. Then you just arise and you shine. It's not easy. And I think that Satan attacks many, many marriages in ministry because he knows that when the two are together, the way the church will be healthy and flourish is not a good thing. So he has to attack that seed so that it won't flourish the way it should. And if you give in, especially the wife, then the whole thing becomes derailed. But if you are prepared to suffer for the sake of what you believe, then you will suffer, but God will also honor you. And God will also bless you. The contentions of a wife are like a continual dripping. There are some people I talk to them, but I see that I have not penetrated. There are my friends, I flow, I say that, look, this thing you are saying, don't say that, renew your mind, change your mind. <laughs> oh, mommy, but it's true. Oh, mommy, but it's true. Is that your point? No. I can't break through beyond what they are saying. Some of them, I tell them, I speak to your husband personally. He loves you. Ha, 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 ha. That's the counseling. Ha, 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 I said, oh, believe it. I want to believe better things. I don't mind that. But what I'm saying is that you believe one thing. And I am trying to show you another side. Decide that I can't be so skewed. Let me just take it that this other side too could be true. But there's no window for that. It's like it's not true. So Mrs. Saki was somebody that I could always talk to. Because the word was a master. So anytime I said, but the word of God says so, then she just, she just giving. Many of you, you don't have any nevertheless in your life. Jesus had neverthelesses. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will. But yours be done. But many of you, you have one part of it. Let this cup pass. And if it doesn't pass, I have issues. But Jesus said, I feel this way. I would like to do it this way. Nevertheless, if you say, not my will. Nevertheless. But we don't have a nevertheless. Our will is the only thing that sits on the throne. Peter had a nevertheless. I've told all night. And I caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, at thy word, at, I have toiled. But nevertheless, but you, you don't have any nevertheless. Your main issue is you've toiled all night. I worry, my brim. I've seen a lot of things. Lady Pastor, you, you don't know. Have you seen Satan before? Come and look at my wife. Have you seen Satan before? Come and look at my husband. Contentious. I say forgive. He said that if you knew the kind of man. That's why I should forgive him. Whenever I forgive him, he does it again. And the, 25 reasons for all oh, that is true. He does it again. He doesn't change. He doesn't, but nevertheless, at thy word, even when you can't see it, obey. Even when it looks like it's foolish, obey. Even when it looks like there's no good reason, obey. Because God has been there from the beginning of the foundations of this earth. And he is counseling us and saying, let it go. Forgive. 
Wipe the slate clean. Accept his love again. Bless him again in the bedroom. You say, no way. You must have a nevertheless. Say, Master, I am an accomplished and experienced fisherman. And I've told all night. You're asking me to go back into the sea. All night. You know how tired I am. You have been standing on the shore for some time. Peter could have given many reasons not to have gone back. I have told all night. It's not that I have not made the effort. All night I've been fishing and I caught nothing. Nevertheless. I've been toiling all night in this marriage. Nevertheless. I've been toiling all night with this man. Nevertheless. I've been toiling all night with these people. Nevertheless. I've been toiling all night with these issues. Nevertheless at your word. Let me ask you, do you have a nevertheless in your life? The insults you are able to compose. It's more than a song. I am surprised at your creativity. Your creativity is phenomenal. Because you compose the insults before you release them. It's not easy. It's true you've toiled. It's true you've used all your energy. But God is showing you another way which will bring good results. And Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down my net. And when he did, he caught more fish than he ever had. Because the Son of God always knows best. Hallelujah. But many Christians, we don't even have the fear of God. We don't think, what does God think? Is God pleased? It's a side issue. The Bible says that God blesses the man who trembles at his word. Does God's word cause you to tremble? You know, sometimes I weep, but I obey God. Sometimes I weep, but God, it's so hard. This person has been so mean. It's so heartbreaking. And my human instinct is to just turn around and say, you know what? Forget it. I don't need you. That's the first point of pride. I don't need you. But nevertheless, I will obey. Many times, obedience is not easy. The Bible says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. You see, you can go with so much pain, you will not even come to a place again. You will not come to the house of God again because you are offended and the offense is deep and the wound is deep. But I have learned that there are many things, if not all, that I can't do for myself. So sometimes I say, God, this pain is so deep, I can't heal myself. But I ask you for a miracle of healing. Touch that place that is sore and make me whole. And he has. Many times he has. And that's why sometimes when I pray, I say that place where no surgeon's knife can touch, Jesus can touch you in those places. It's because I've walked that road and I know that he's faithful. Sometimes you stand condemned. You have to remember Romans 8 verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation. To them who don't misbehave. To them who don't make mistakes. To them who don't miss it. To them that are in Christ Jesus. That's enough. To lift every accusation and every condemnation. Because some of you have been so criticized by your spouses. That you can't rise up anymore. Some of you have been so criticized and other women so much praised. That you think that I won't even do anything in the church before you will even have the opportunity to criticize me. But the one who called you is God. And he is your employer. He is the one who will pay your wages in the name of Jesus. Go home with no contention. 
Go home determined to open the windows for all the contentious demons to fly out. Go home prepared to make the master fight your battles for you. Go home prepared to win your battles on your knees and in your closet. You need faith to obey God. Because sometimes as you are doing, you rather see the negative results. And as you are obeying God, you rather see worse things happening. But that is God. When Moses came and said, oh, I'm coming to deliver the people of Israel, that is rather when Pharaoh multiplied their burden. And every time you are near the point of deliverance, your burdens will multiply. I promise you. Because Satan wants to break your resistance and break your ability to endure. And so usually things get worse before they get better. But many times when they get worse, what did I say? I say, that's why God came and said, I will give you beauty for ashes. So God, why did you sit down now for the thing to burn till it became ashes? Could you not have saved half of it? Could you not have saved a quarter of it? Could you not have saved a bit of it? But you stand there, everything becomes cinders, ashes. And you tell me that beauty for ashes. But he wants the ashes so that he can give you beauty. But many of you, you are holding the ashes and you are crying like the people of old, sackcloth and ashes. Crying, crying, crying and not giving them to God so that he can. He's holding beauty. You are holding ashes. You have to let go so that his beauty can go and your ashes can come to him. But if you look with your human eye, you say, Lady Pastor, it's finished. Many marriages, they say there's no hope. But Christ, who is our hope, that's what the Bible says. Not people, not what you see, not your experiences, but Christ. When Christ, who is our hope, shall appear, then we also shall appear with him. It's Christ who is our hope, not the things we see, not the things that move us, but Christ. And all these things bring agitations, contentions, I'm being cheated. The feeling of I'm being cheated. So I have to make my point. After some of you, it's good you didn't read law. Because you haven't read law, but you are very some way. And if you read law, you'll be worse. See, sometimes, these days, I analyze myself and I see that your training makes you think in a certain way that you don't even know you are thinking. Do you understand? So I had to learn, because when I'm talking to people, I listen to them, but when I was very fresh out of law school, I realized that whenever I was listening to them, I was listening for portholes to also make my defense. Do you understand? Because that's how you are trained. So you are listening. Okay, Yvonne is talking to you. So when I went there at 8 p.m., I didn't see him. But then I saw that the 7 o'clock news was on. How can you be there at 8 when 7 o'clock news is on? That one is the question. Okay. And then when I saw, you are not trying to understand her, but you are trying to build a case. And you are trained like that to sit in court and be like that. So that you don't lose your client's case. So you sit and everything the person is saying, you are not, it's not the sense of it. It's the loopholes that you are looking for. So you sit down. When the person is talking, okay, and then I went here and then, you have to be very fast. Objection, my Lord. Based on this, I think that this is, so in the same way, in life also, you will be objecting, objection. This one, based on this objection, objection, objection. Hey. Don't bring your profession into the house of God. The word of God is different from your profession. And many people are that way. So when I was working at Attorney General, I looked around once. I said, this department, 
prostitution. They go to court and they talk. Everybody there doesn't have a husband. They are divorced. So I asked my friends. I was one in that department. So I said, how come this department is like that? You know what she said? She said, because we are women who know our rights. And we will not sit down for any man to do foolishness. Adelaide, that's why. You want an answer? That's why. It's women who, you know, this type of, they sell in Katia and they don't know their rights. They cannot look after themselves. The man is their everything. If he goes out of their lives, the lights go out. But we are not that kind of women. So because of that, we are able to stand for us. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's the prosecution that you do. Because you face rapists, murder. So when you come home to but you should know that your profession is different from the word of God. It's not the same. You see, and I didn't enjoy litigation, but I always felt that they are quarreling. But it's not a quarrel, but staring as oh, this, this thing I can't do. Because the first time my client was jailed, we got nightmares. I had malaria. I said, oh, this work I can't do. <laughs> I've come to see that I can't do. Let me go to a quiet place where it's parliament. You are just writing laws, explaining the constitution. That is what, you know, I like. I met a, a lady who was, who was some years behind us, just recently in a school. And I was asking her, so are you still in private practice? And she said, very much so. And I said, really? But I didn't like it. I said, oh, I love the challenge. I love the challenge and what it brings, you know, because all of us are made differently. But when you know your tendency, you have to watch it. The Bible says that be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But many of us, it's the opposite. Be quick to speak, women, quick to anger, and slow to listen. That's how we are. And God knew that that's how we were. That's why he put that verse. Be quick to hear. Be a good listener. It will make the contentious good. And make it your aim to understand your spouse instead of you being understood. Okay, so what you are saying is that it wasn't intentional and you didn't really be, oh, okay, I understand. Half the battle is won. Because you are trying to agree with the person. Agree on the way. Agree on the way. But many of us, we are in a hurry to make our point and to stress that point. And so we don't listen to the other person. But Bible says, count the other better than yourselves. It means his opinions, his interests, and wherever, whatever he's involved in. Count it better than you count yours. And I believe that when we do that, we will be blessed. Hallelujah. Come across too many ministry homes that are shaking. And as God who asked me this question once, would you rather be happy? Or be right. Choose one. Would you rather be happy? Or you'd rather be right? Many times we feel that when this issue is solved, then I'll be happy. But by the time that issue is solved, you would have lost everything. It's a deception of the enemy. So you inform your husband, I don't like this. But the transformation, leave it to God. And when you are fighting and struggling and things are not changing, ask God to give you the medicine for asthma, medicine for diabetes, medicine for rheumatism, so that even if the disease doesn't go, you know how to manage it. When you manage it, you still have the person, although an area may be diseased. May the Lord deliver us. 
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.